God is good, God is gracious, God is loving. And he comes to bring his people into a rich place. But the rich place that God talks of is so different from man's rich place. God wants to bring us into a place where we're rich in him. Not rich in ourselves, not rich in our ideas, but rich in him. He is a wonderful saviour, a glorious Lord. And you can't really enter into life or no life unless you see that it all emanates from him. We sung praise God from whom all blessings flow. And really the heart has to understand that there is nothing in life that will be a blessing to you if it doesn't flow directly from him. And that I must turn and see that the source of life is in Jesus Christ and none other. I need him, I need his life, I need his help, I need all that he is. It's turning our eyes unto him. So often people try and fight their own battles. You can't. It takes a long time for the Lord to bring a man to the end of himself. Sometimes men never get to the end of themselves. They wallow in their self-pity. They grovel in their self-efforts. And yet the Lord Jesus is trying to bring us all to realize you cannot do anything. What man, he, Jesus said, by thinking can add one cubit to his stature? No one. By reasoning, by determining, by setting your will, by doing all sorts of things, you will not change yourself. But by setting your will to allow him, that's a different thing. By yielding your life unto him, that's a different thing. By obeying every word he speaks, that's a different thing. Then it begins to emanate from him and not from you. Most people only want to change their lives because they want to change that part that's inconvenient to them. People like to change that which they don't like about themselves. What they don't want to do is change the things that God doesn't like about them. God doesn't like things in your life. And he wants to change those things, and usually they're the things we like. The things that God hates, we tend to like. God hates religion. Man loves religion. Man just has this desire to be religious. It's amusing, really, when you look and you see what great efforts people put up to be religious. They really do. People will give themselves to religion in a way that you cannot imagine anyone could do. Religion is awful. God hates it. But he loves a sincere heart. 
And I want to go back to that wonderful book of Ruth. It's, uh, I've tried four times to get round to this, so surely tonight, with God's grace, we will continue. And if we don't, well, I'll try a fifth time. And five will be the number of grace, so surely it should be. And as we look at the wonderful story of Ruth, we see a picture of the religion. And what it ends up with. And then we see a picture of the church. The rejected, the despised, the outcast coming in. And becoming part of that which they should never have had an inheritance in. It's a strange thing but the people of God are very often, as I said before they're, they're the people who always oppose the new thing that God's going to do they cannot help themselves they've got to oppose it because it hits at their life it strikes at their very heart the natural and the spiritual don't go together people hate the spiritual when it comes they really hate it. And I want to spend a little while just looking at the verse in Ruth. So Naomi returned in chapter 1, verse 22. And Ruth the Moabites, her daughter-in-law, with her, which returned out of the country of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem in the beginning of barley harvest. God bought them at the beginning of the harvest. He didn't bring them halfway through. He bought them at the beginning. And it's interesting when we begin to consider the harvests of God. You see, God's harvests are different from man's harvests. Man has an idea of what a harvest is. God has a different idea. And we need to understand, if we're going to understand the scriptures at all, what the harvest is. If you turn with me to Matthew's Gospel, you'll find Jesus told you. I want to say something about Naomi too. She said, call me Mara which means bitterness. If you look in the scriptures, you'll find that God never did. Still called a Naomi. She said, call me Mara. God's dealt hard with me. Now the judgment of God coming on a person's life that brings them back to Bethlehem. Often they'll come back broken people. They won't ever set the place alight again. Their day is past. But by the dealings and grace of God, they end up where they should have been all the time. God somehow gets them back 
to Bethlehem, the city of bread. They then become what I might term passengers rather than people who could produce. And very often you see at the end of a man's life that he'll come back in. Might have wandered far, but if he's the Lord's, he'll bring him back. Shame that it's over for them. Their life is past, the time of their departing draws near. And yet God in his grace and his love and his mercy, he never looked on Naomi and said, oh, you bitter old bag. He didn't look like that. In fact, he brought sweetness to her at the end. Sweetness. Not in blessing her, but blessing her daughter-in-law made her sweet. And God never ever called Amara bitter. You'll find that the Lord doesn't look on things the way we do. She was bitter. She accused God. She said God had dealt hardly with her. She knew she should never have left. She came back full of regrets. But God's hand was full of mercy and love. He sent the plagues, he sent the disasters into the family, basically to bring her back to where she should always have been. Death and separation and sorrow and torment are very often the things that God uses to bring a person to himself. And in a life that goes astray, God will bring sorrow affliction on that life to bring them back and you might look at them and outwardly think well and they'll talk and there'll seem a bitterness in them but over a period of time as they dwell in the city of bread God brings a little sweetness to their soul he never calls them bitter I know they are but then he hasn't finished with them yet. It's the bitterness that brings them back. And he's good at throwing in the tree that turns bitterness into sweetness. Moses found out when the water was bitter. And that was what she said, call me Mara. Moses found out that there was always a tree that could be cast in and surely... In Bethlehem, the city of bread, there's also the encounter of the cross that changes over time that bitterness into sweetness. God in the end does the miracle because it's full of grace and full of love. That's the wonderful truth that's hidden there. You read on, you'll find Naomi never ever, though she said you call me bitter, God wouldn't. He saw what he could do in the life and he saw how he could work it all out. And he ignored her, he still called her pleasant. And to him, she was. Because he knew what he was about working in her life. She just said, God's dealt hardly with me. He had. 
She'd gone out full. She'd had a family, a husband, two sons. In their strength they'd gone out and in their weakness and poverty she came back. Bereft of any help, bereft of all the joy. It had all been taken from her. But she came back to the place where life was. And it takes time for that life to get sorted out. God always brings people back to a place of bread, the house of bread. Don't ever worry about it. Worry if you go out, but don't ever worry if you come in after sorrow and poverty and emptiness. You know, I think Naomi, when she got back to Bethlehem, she didn't feel full of the joys of spring and say, oh, it's wonderful to have arrived. No, she felt, so, she felt full of sorrow, full of doubts, misgivings. She'd said to Ruth, she said, look, I'm too old, it's all past. In a way, that was true. But then God has wonderful ways of working things out. Beautiful ways of organizing things and changing things. And his heart was to do something totally different. So back she came. Beautiful is the scripture. Naomi was going to be sweet again. She was going to be pleasant. But there had to be the breakings. There had to be the dealings. Before the sweetness could flow forth. And in all our lives there's some rough dealings down the way. And you'll find that when you wander out of the city of bread and the place of bread, it can be mighty costly to get back. The smart move is not to leave the city of bread. But generally speaking, most people do. You have the pain of getting back. Whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. And he purges every son whom he receives. And if you're out of it, don't worry. God's hand is not short that it cannot save. The problem is his method of saving is somewhat painful. Would to God he would come along and whip us up on a cloud and say, there, there, and drop us back in the right place and say, now don't stray. But he knows that wouldn't really do our hearts any good, so he teaches us the hard way, through pain. It hurts. To come back and you cry and you say, well, oh, it's terrible. Listen to Naomi. She says in verse uh, 21, I went out full, and the Lord hath brought me home again empty. Why call ye me Naomi? Seeing the Lord hath testified against me, and the Almighty hath afflicted me. She looked on God and she used the word that Abraham had used. He's the Almighty, the all-powerful one. He's afflicted me. And she was right. 
she was right. He had. It wasn't an accusation that was wrong. It was right. But what was wrong was she didn't realize why. She stated it. She said, I went out full. That was the problem. She went out when she was in her strength, when the family was in the strength. When everything was going well, that's the time, watch out. Watch out when things seem really good. That's the time to watch. That's the time people walk out. When the blessing's flowing, when things seem to be going well, when we can say, hallelujah, isn't the Lord good? Watch your step. That's the point at which people walk out. And they miss the wonders of God. They walk out of the city of bread, Bethlehem. They leave. My God is king, Elimelech. That was his name, her husband. There had to be death of that. For he wasn't really king, it was all a fraud. It was a sham. There had to be a death of the pining and the sickliness of their religion. And religion is sick and false religion that claims God as king has to be bought to death. Until there comes that place in the heart where you come back and you admit your total poverty, your total emptiness, and you say, oh God, it's, it's all been a fraud, a front. It's a mess. Now most people don't actually get there. They try. They really do try. God afflicts them and they try. God afflicts them some more and they try. God afflicts them some more and they try. Most don't ever get to the place where they really see it. I'll tell you how I know. Because they wander so quickly away again. Not five minutes after God's afflicted them and then God's withdrawn his hand when they begin to turn and walk back in and they begin to feast and the flow from the city of bread begins to heal their souls and it's not long before a little blessing comes and boy they're back out they go God's merciful though he afflicts them again why is this happening Lord well you just happen to walk out again, so here you are, and he pats you back in with a heavy hand. And they walk out again, till in the end the Lord's only choice is to let you wander far, far, far from the way. Until you find yourself in total blackness, total emptiness, total chaos, and then you ask, what's gone wrong? Then God brings you back. But some people, even after that, just takes a few weeks of blessing and the word of God to flow richly in the life and back out they go. Lots of lives are like that. 
I wonder that you can see people tremendously blessed and I know that a month later they'll be off out again. Just a month. Oh, it was a true blessing of God, but they got full. They got full of their own experience, full of their own ideas of what they were in God. And off they go with their arrogance, off they go with their knowledge, off they go with their experience, right off out. And then God in his mercy and his love he flicks them again and back they come sheepishly only to depart a little while later. And it seems to me that a lot of people are like the prodigal son. Except you don't just kind of take all your goods and go once you seem to go every other week. And that's not a good thing. And this is a picture of Naomi. Dead religion, formal religion. Gone into formalism and death. In Australia they call them the old guard. People who knew God but went out. In Britain... I don't suppose they call them anything because the whole crowd of them and Kambusha, the old guard. There isn't a new guard. So <laughs> who can say? Terrible it is. They go out. I've been to churches where this God has moved. I remember one over in uh, Kansas. I remember going there and I was amazed the meeting was as dead as mutton on the butcher's hook. It was terrible. And yet, the moment we began to get them onto a chorus and to share a word, I suddenly saw all over the place lights come up, found here and there. And everywhere else, lights all over the place. And I found response and God began to move. And my wife and I went to the, out to lunch with the assistant pastor and his wife and we said, tell us the history of this place. And I think it was 20 or 30 years before they'd had a revival. And as soon as you moved into the heavenly realm and you began to bring bread down from heaven, boy, they began to eat. They knew how to eat and respond. But for some reason they had walked out and they have left their Bethlehem. And there's a lot of people like that. Get them in a meeting and they'll begin to respond. They'll begin to eat. And yet you get them out the next day and what are they doing? They're not eating of the living bread. They're eating of their own selfish heart. They're back to their own selfish way. Get them to another meeting and all oh, they learn to respond again when the word quickens their heart. Oh, and they'll come up to you after. It was wonderful and you know that it takes but a day. But God's wanting to bring us to be dwellers. In Bethlehem.
dwellers in the city of bread. People who live off the living bread daily. People who know how to eat of the living bread that comes from heaven. People who know how to feast on that. Who say, I don't want to go anywhere else. I don't want to go out again. I don't want to try and fulfill my heart with other things. I want the living bread. My heart is set on that and that alone. That's what God's looking to bring everyone to. A place where we'll be a people of the living bread. A people who don't want anything else in life but just to feast on him. Their hearts will always be meditating in his law. Somehow in their souls, even when they sleep, the song of praise will rise. When they go to bed, they'll find their heart full of a song. When they wake in the morning, somehow they'll just but stand in silence for a moment and the song will be rising in their soul. That's the true life. And oh, God comes during the day and just speaks in the living word. And you begin to feast on it and meditate on it inside. And you could be doing anything, any mundane thing, but somehow there's that sweet communion with him. That is salvation. That is reality. There's a heavenly life that may be lived on earth. There's a heavenly life that might be known on this planet. Where you can commune with the living God and live in fellowship with him. All day, every day. Every moment of every day. You can enjoy his presence. You can enjoy living in Bethlehem. O city of bread, we sing a song, city, O city. What a city to live in. What a wonderful place to be. Hmm? It's wonderful. Do you know it's open for you? You don't ever have to be in famine. You don't ever have to be dry. You don't ever have to be one of those who's empty. For he's made provision. Made provision that there's nothing that can stop me from having that living bread. Drinking at that living fountain. Drinking of living waters. Knowing the glory of living life. You know you can fulfill your flesh and you die. If you walk in the spirit and put to death the deeds of the flesh, you shall live. Seems so simple. Then tell me, Naomi, why did you walk out? 
Well, there was a famine. Why was there a famine? Well, my heart strayed. Somehow the heart strayed away. Famine comes and hunger comes when people don't avail themselves. The Israelites gave you the best example. Manna was dropped from heaven every day. And do you know what they said to God? They said, oh, a million and a half people eating manna every day dropped divinely from heaven. Turned around and said, we're fed up with it. We'd rather go back to the flesh pots of Egypt. It's not sweet to our taste any longer. Though it tasted like honey. To them they said, oh, we've had enough of it. Made them all healthy. Meant that there was no one physically feeble amongst them. And yet they looked back to Egypt and they said, well, what about the variety? Let's have variety. Remember the flesh pots of Egypt? And that's really what happens in a human heart. The one thing the human heart seems to crave after is variety. They say in the world that variety is the spice of life. I think it's the spice of death. It's the spice of the world's life. You see, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. God in whom there is no variableness nor shadow of turning. And we're called to be like him. How can you have variety in that? Why? How God's the same. And therefore the Christian, he doesn't like to live that way. He wants a bit of something else in his life. He begins to get hungry. And the famine drives him away from Bethlehem. And off he goes, searching for something to give him satisfaction inside. His heart strays. The longings and cravings of the flesh begin to grip him. And death is the result. He loses contact with the divine one who is the only one who can satisfy his soul. And therefore he'll plummet the depths of sin, seeking something to requite that terrible, terrible cry within. And that's how the human heart works. That's what it's all about, really. Want to do something different. If I was to go to each one of you and say, isn't that really the problem? You know, things don't satisfy. Have you ever noticed people that set their heart on something? They, they, they want something. I don't care what it is. I, 
you know, a house, let's say. And they set their heart on a house and then when they've got the house it doesn't satisfy so they alter the blithering thing and they set their heart with making it wonderful, a palace. And then they make a palace of their house and that doesn't satisfy so they try and make a palace of their garden and that doesn't satisfy so they make a palace of their family and that doesn't satisfy so they try a new car and that doesn't satisfy so they try a caravan and that doesn't satisfy so they try an expensive holiday and that doesn't satisfy so they try this, they try that and they're ever ever trying something else I suppose that in my youth the song that meant most to me was a song that was written by a group called the Rolling Stones years ago I can't get no satisfaction. And that probably spoke more truth if people did know it. Apart from the fact it was sung through lips that looked as though they were blown up. <laughs> it was true because somehow inside there were hundreds of thousands of people who could all admit and identify with it. It really, and you look at pop songs, a lot of them are really saying what's in the spirit of the people at the time. The spirit of the world, not the spirit of God. Don't get me wrong, I was sitting watching uh, a program where... Now, don't let anyone deceive you. I mean, there is no such thing as Christian rock. There's the rock. Jesus Christ, but there's no such thing as Christian rock. Don't you ever listen to that filth. Destroy your soul. Evil. It is. And I listened to him talking and he said how he'd like to influence people towards God. And I listened, and as I listened, I, I, I sensed that there was just no understanding or appreciation of the wonderful love. He said, they put Christian words to rock music. Why should the devil have all the good music? That's true. Why should it? He hasn't. He never did have all the good music's in heaven. But I'll tell you something, I don't have to take the music of hell and say, why should the devil have it? Let me have a bit of it. I want the music of heaven down here. I don't need to go in the filth of the pig trough to find the glories of God. They aren't down there. I listened to him and I thought, poor man, his eyes are so blind, the scales are upon it. Thousands and thousands and hundreds of thousands of people think he's a Christian. And he says what to the world would sound right. But to anyone with eyes to see, oh, I'd rather take you up to glory where you could listen to the angels. Hear some heavenly music. Rather go where they play the golden harps. I'll tell you what they don't have is electric guitars. They have golden harps and vials and they sing.
sing unto the Lord Most High songs of worship and praise. I heard him say that they got people in the congregation, uh, the audience, to, to turn around and sing the melodies with him. And he's, he said out of his own mouth, I heard him say it. What a deceived fool he is. He said, do you know even unbelievers worship God without knowing it? When they sing his ditties. What delusion. For worship is the love of a heart unto the King Most High. It's nothing more and it's definitely nothing less. Loving him, worshipping him, praising him, extolling him, magnifying him who saved us, who redeemed us. Full of love unto him. I want to worship the Lord of glory. I want to sing a song of love to him. And I'll tell you this. Never ever will I use the devil's music to do it. As God is my witness, I hate it. I somehow don't find the song of love emanating from the pit of hate. I find I want to go to the city of bread. Let me get inside the city. Let me close the gates of the city and let me feast on the living bread. And then let the song arise that arises from heaven. Within my soul. Singing unto him, wonderful lamb of God. That's what I want, don't you? I don't want it out there. I don't want to go out there. I don't want to depart from the city. I don't want to depart from the people. I want to live with him. I want to love him. That's what Naomi, bless her, she made such a mistake. And haven't we all at times made mistakes? Haven't we all wandered away wanting something deeper? Somehow the enemy took advantage of our souls. He told us that out there there was something better. And some of us went and we looked. We tried this, we tried that. All in the name of spirituality. And then God had to afflict us and bring us back and say, Hey, it isn't there. And it isn't there. And it isn't there. You know, no satisfactions in the flesh pots of Egypt. City of Moab. Nothing. Nothing there. And God brought her back. Never called her bitter. Even though he dealt so bitterly with her. Let me tell you something. You can go. But if God's touched your life. I assure you. You've got to come back. 
He'll afflict you till you do. And if you won't come back, he'll destroy you. That's the way it is. That's our God. Don't worry, he's faithful. Say, well, how will I know? I'll tell you how you'll know. He'll afflict you. Supposing I'm deceived, don't worry. You'll know. You'll find such an emptiness and pain in your soul and you'll come back limping like Jacob did. You'll come back leaning on your thigh wondering what you ever fought God for. It's a smart move not to. Why did I go? Why did I do it? And you'll always remember because every time you lean on your thigh you'll feel, oh dear. Oh dear. What did I do it for? God's like that. He's full of love. That's love. I love a God who won't let you away. Don't you? A God who's not going to let you escape. You won't escape. You have no way of escaping. You can make your bed in hell. Thou art there. And I'll tell you this, it'll be the most uncomfortable bed you've slept in. Because he'll be there. I remember years ago, I, I knew a man who was going out of the way of God. And it made me so angry to think that that man was doing despite to the God of grace. That while he was out and away from the place where I was living, I went into his bedroom and I played, prayed. And I prayed, oh God, in your grace and in your love, when this man comes back, give him no rest upon his bed. Don't let him rest, don't let him sleep. Lord, deal with him. Came down to breakfast the next morning. And he came down about 45 minutes later in a terrible state, looking terrible. I said, what's wrong? He said, what did you do? He said, nothing. He said, yes, you did something. He said, do you know? He said, the only way I could sleep was to take a blanket off the bed and sleep on the floor. He said, I couldn't sleep on that bed. He said, I got about half an hour's sleep in the end when I took a blanket off and lay on the floor. And pray, Lord, don't let him sleep on the bed. Should have prayed, don't let him sleep anywhere. I didn't. And God dealt with his heart. I said, well, you know, I did pray, pray. What did you pray? I told him what I prayed. So it was your fault I'm like this. Well, no, it wasn't. It was your fault for going out. Leaving the city of bread to go forth. I sometimes go to people and I pray and sometimes I pray in tongues so they don't know what I'm praying. But if you were to ask me, the prayer would go something like this. Lord, give them no rest. Give them no peace. Put torment in their soul till they turn again to you. 
say, well, that's rough praying that for people. It's rougher still if God doesn't do anything. If he just let you go. If he just said, all right, enough, you go. Totally oblivious of your state and of your need. What a terrible thing that would be. What a terrible thing if he pushed you out and he said, go. And never ever checked you. Never ever prompted you. Never ever spoke a word to you. But he's the great God. The faithful one. Mighty one. And he doesn't want to let you go. He's come to deal with you. Come to take you on. Come to afflict your soul. Until you get to the city of bread. And learn how to live there. Learn how to live your life off living bread. Learn how to become a partaker of it. Isn't that what you need? I'll tell you this, the living bread when fed upon, why it takes away every other desire. The living bread when fed upon, it makes every other passion and desire subdue, weak, and in the end just fade away. The living bread. There is a city, you know, whose builder and maker is God. There's a Bethlehem for all. There's a place where the living bread is. The bread that comes down from heaven. Jesus spoke of this bread and he said that it came down from heaven. The disciples said, ever give us this bread. The bread is the words that Jesus speaks. Living off them. Living in them. You know it says in 1 John, chapter 2, He that loveth me keepeth my commandments. If you love me, Keep my commandments. It's not speaking of the Ten Commandments there. It's really said, and what Jesus said, if you look in the Greek, you'll find it. Keep my sayings. The things I speak to you. Keep those. It's the spoken words that Jesus speaks to the heart. That's what we need to keep. If you love him, you will. You'll cherish those words. Aren't they wonderful? I love to look back sometimes and gaze upon the words God spoke to my heart. And think, oh Lord, they were wonderful words of life. And I can live off those words. The enemy can come in like a flood. All sorts of things can happen. Disasters can appear to be on hand all round. 
And I find I can burrow back into my own soul and to get to the city of bread. And as I begin to feast on those living words, I find the rest pales into insignificance. Because surely the living bread brings life to the soul. It's eternal, never changes. I can always sneak into him, find him. It's wonderful when you can. Hmm? Everyone can, if you've heard him speak. Kingdom of heaven's within you. It's not way up there. I remember years ago, when I was first filled with the Spirit. Wonderful experience. I would go to sleep singing in tongues. Inside, I don't mean jabbering. Inside, you without speaking, you can speak in tongues. You just speak in your spirit, you know, your spirit prays. And inside, you can just sing. And then I'd wake up and I'd still be singing. Still the song was there. He put a song in my heart. It's nice to know how to get inside and get into your spirit and begin to worship him. And live on that and feast on it. So there is no outside. It all becomes a relationship with him. Dwelling in him. Dwelling in the secret place. The secret place is not some hidey hole. I met a man once who told me that he met God when he went up to the top of Snowden. And he used to go back and try and meet God up there. I tell you, he's not up on the top of Snowden. I once went to the top of Snowden. It's a long way up. God's not there. He's everywhere in his omnipresence. But he comes within. And that's where I want to meet him. I want to come to the city of bread. I want to live in the city of bread. Don't you? Do you know you don't have to be afflicted? God doesn't afflict you for his pleasure. Hebrews tells us he only chastens us to bring us back. He only chastens us to deal with us. Now if you become obedient, he won't chasten. Become disobedient, he'll afflict you till you come back. So it's very easy to know whether you're walking with him or not. Just feel the tender parts. You'll know if they're getting more tender, you're doing something very wrong and you better get back in the way. His faithful is true. A wonderful God. Naomi found the secret. She didn't like it. She found it late. But at least she came back. Somehow within her soul the word came forth. Said there's bread again. In Bethlehem. And she felt the word of God was there for her. 
And so she went back. There is bread again in Bethlehem for you. Bethlehem. The city of bread. The word of God would come to your heart again. Let the word of God dwell richly in your heart. It's inside. Meditate on the law of God in your heart day and night. Do you do it? Or have you lost it? Time to come back. Do you know a church is like the city? I see people go out, I know. Awful things are going to happen. They go where there is no bread. But I know there is a place for them. Let's pray. Lord you're so faithful so merciful so true you don't change it's man that wants changes it's the flesh that wants some novelty something new But you're the same. You're the rock of ages. It's the human heart that craves for variety. But, O oh Lord, life's in you, health's in you, healing's in you. And Lord, we need to come again. How often we wander away. How easily we let your words slip. How insensitive we become to your chastening. But O oh King, thank you, you're faithful. Thank you, you don't just let us go. Thank you, you just don't turn us away. You put frustrations in our heart and in our soul. You put an emptiness, a hunger, and nothing else will fill it until you come. It's the way you bring us back, O oh Lord, to the simplicity of feeding on you. O oh bread of heaven, feed me till I want no more. 
come again, O King. I want to return. How often we've gone out full. But we've had to say, Oh God, we come back empty. We've wasted all the substance you gave. The very words of life you spoke have ebbed away. We've squandered it all. And we need to come again for another word, another touch. But, oh Lord, if only you'd teach us how to live in that city of Bethlehem. If only, oh God, we'd mortify the flesh so we didn't wander. What a terrible thing to wander away. To wander away from the King of glory. From the King of grace. But, oh Master, this night we'd return. We've been afflicted enough. We don't want to look for a substitute. We want to come to you. We want to throw ourselves at your feet. I want to come back to that city of bread. I want to come back to the living word. Denying all to come to you Lord Jesus it's all wrapped in the mystery open the eye to see open the ears to hear Lord somehow it's a great mystery Oh God, let each heart see it. Let the hearts begin to pant after you. Let the soul begin to cry after the living God. I want to ever feed on that bread. I ever want to live on that word. I ever want to feast on the living bread. Lord, I would come again, empty. How often I've come to Thee empty. I need You. Here's my cup, Lord. I'd lift it up. Come and quench this thirsting of my soul. Bread of heaven, feed me till I want no more. Here's my cup. Fill it up and make me whole. I want to be an inhabitant of Bethlehem. Here's my cup. Oh, Jesus, 
Let each heart cry. Let each heart be drawn out till that word begins to flow within the soul. O living bread, come feed the hungry ones. Here's my cup, O God, fill it up. I don't want to go my own way, I want you. I don't want to live for myself, I want to live for you. Bread of heaven, feed me till I want no more. Almighty King, quicken your word. Make it life to us. Here's my cup. Lord, there's nothing in the world I want. Nothing can fill that aching void but you. Come, O King. things than you. Come, O oh Lord, in your mercy and your grace, I need you. city of idolatry is not for me. I want to come back where the living bread is. I want to come back to you. I want to live in that city of bread. 
I don't want to come back full of bitterness because you've had to afflict me so much. I want to come back willingly. I want to come back now. And I want to live. Live on that word. Oh God, speak it to hearts. Reach within souls. Take away the dryness, the barrenness. Oh Master, how many have left thee? How many have gone other ways? Bring them back. Put a cry in the heart. I can't bear it any longer, oh God. I don't want to live without you. I don't want to live blaming you. I want to come back. I want you, oh Jesus, I don't want your word to be a memory, some distant memory of what you say, but a living present thing. I don't want to think back to your words, I want them now. I want to live every day with your words speaking to my heart. I want the song in my soul. I want life in my spirit. Your life. Your presence. I don't want to fight any longer. I don't want to go on in my own strength. I don't want to go out. I want you. I know only you'll satisfy. Only you can meet my need. Here's my cup. My empty, empty heart. Come fill it up. Lord, help. Come, oh Lord. Fill it up, fill it afresh with the living water. Here's my cup, fill it up. Come and quench this thirsting of my soul. Oh Lord, let it be a prayer, a prayer that comes from the dead. very depths of the being.
Früchte wahre.